Thank you, Maddie. Well, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. We'll get to them in just a little bit while I get situated here with all of the speaker paraphernalia that speakers bring with them. Um, big word. You like big words? Good. Hey, guys, a little bit about me. I want to introduce myself. Uh, like Maddie told you, my name is Kip. That's just K-I-P. It's short for Kip. Uh, that's it. It's just Kip. It's, it's not like Kipling or Kipier or some weird thing. It's just Kip. That's it. So uh, I'll respond to Chip, Trip, Skip, whatever. It's my whole life. No one's understood what it was, but it's just Kip. Uh, I, I'm excited to be here with you guys. I'm excited for this opportunity uh, just to dig into God's Word together, to spend a weekend at camp, uh, and there's going to be a ton of fun stuff. I asked uh, Anna back in the booth. Give it up for Anna. All these lights came on at the right time so far uh, back there in the booth. She's doing a great job. Anytime you go back to the back, just give Anna one of these little thumbs up. That's a very uh, unappreciated job quite often. You only notice them when something goes wrong usually. Uh, so when you stop by, like, Anna, you're rocking it and just keep walking. Um, Anna, do you have those? Are they ready? Uh, I get a thumbs up from Anna. So she's going to throw some stuff up on the screen, and I'll talk about it. I'll narrate. Uh, this is like a slideshow. This is my beautiful bride. Uh, her name is Michael. Uh, just like David's wife in the Bible. Uh, in Hebrew, it's Michal, but you have to like clear your throat, and we don't do that. We just say Michael. Um, and then what's up next is uh, that's my dog. <clears throat> Her name is Lily. Um, I didn't put these in this order. Apparently, Anna thought my dog was more important than my children. Um, <laughs> That's my son behind her. Uh, she's a husky shepherd. My entire house is covered in hair. Um, what's up next? Uh, this is my daughter. Her name is Kai, K-A-I, Kai. Uh, actually, Kai Ella. It's not short for anything. Uh, Kai is her first name. Ella is her middle name. We call her Kai Ella. Uh, and a lot of people don't realize that's her first and middle name. This is my son, Kale. Um, yes, his name is Kale. Uh, so here's this thing. I, let me preface this. We named him Kale before there was ever a salad or any of the other stuff, all right? Literally, we named our son Kale, and like the next day, there was like a billboard. It was like, eat more kale. And we're like, no, what have we done? It's, it's a Hawaiian name. Both Kai and Kale are Hawaiian. If you go to Hawaii, you'll see the word Kai everywhere. It means ocean. Surprise, right? An island. Um, so you'll see the word Kai everywhere. Kale is Hawaiian for Charles. This is him skateboarding. Um, yeah, he... This was like just the other day. He's like, Dad, come film me skating. I got this trick down. And so I'm like, sweet, let's film it. Uh, so that's him. That's what he loves doing. What else we got, Anna? Oh, this is my youngest. His name is Gray, just like the color, Gray. And this is, he's so dramatic. Watch him. Boom, sticks to landing, right? Proud dad right there. Proud dad right there. Topping the warp wall there. Uh, we went on a little uh, dad-son night the other night. <laughs> yeah, he's all drama, all drama. And then he just like lets go and falls. <laughs> so that's a glimpse into my life right there. He's half of it, keeping up with him. Was there any others? Did there anything else we had? Oh, this is Lily. It's how obedient she is. Watch. <laughs> Watch. She said lay down, by the way. This is her version of lay down. It's like lay down and she runs around you. And so she's super hyper. Uh, this is the cat. There's one more, I think. Is there one more? Is there? No? No more. They're saying no more. Uh, there was one more thing. We have this little uh, white stretched rat looking thing. It's called a ferret. Uh, we have one of those. Oh my gosh, I love 
it's my daughter's, uh, and we have a picture of it just like sitting on her head. Um, she loves it. It like curls up in her hoodies and like sits on her shoulder and then peeks its little frizzy, frizzy rat head out. Um, but it's fun. So that's my family. That's my life. Uh, like Maddie said, I, I live in California now. Used to live and work here at Hume New England. And uh, three years ago, moved to California, family back there. Uh, and I work at a church now. I'm a campus pastor there. And I love uh, just ministry. I love God's word. Uh, I love uh, sharing just the truth of God's word with people. And that's what I'm excited to do with you guys this week. Uh, if you'll let me, uh, can I do a quick little uh, exercise with you guys? Yes. I'm in charge, so I was hoping you said yes. <laughs> Uh, so here's what it is. Uh, I'm going to have you in just a second. Let me give you the instructions, and then we'll play it out, right? This is a little game, uh, kind of like an icebreaker, called This or That, all right? This or That. It's a game of choices. So what it works is this. If I, if I say uh, the first one is this, then you just stay seated. But if it's that, then you stand up, and, and you have to pick between the two. We'll make it easy, right? Right off the bat. So like, for example, if you prefer summer, this, you'd stay seated. If you prefer winter, you'd stand up. So this or that, no one stood up, one guy likes winter, and this is where you live, okay, there we go, there it is, so winter, the rest of you prefer summer, uh, that's so telling, me too, that's why I moved to California, uh, you don't have to stay standing, okay, this or that, let's see if I can get more of you standing, uh, do you prefer, um, let's see, uh, cake, stay seated, or ice cream, stand up, ice cream, all right, all right. Good, 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 good. Okay, have a seat, have a seat. Um, do you prefer, um, well, I wrote some down because I knew I'd blank in a second. Let's see, if you, let's see what this one does. Uh, Marvel, stay seated. DC, stand up. Do we have some? There's a few. The DC guys are standing proud right now. Most of you are kind of like, eh, I'm just going to stay seated. Let's see, what about, okay, here's a tricky one. Uh, Cats, stay seated. Dogs, stand up. There we go. That'll divide any room. That'll divide any room, right? All right. You want to have a seat? Last one, last one. Last one, here we go. I own a cat. Last one, you ready? Sunrises, stay, uh, sunrises, stay seated. Sunsets, stand up. If you're a sucker for a sunrise, you're like halfway between. Okay, it's kind of a 50-50 on that one. I get it, I get it. I like sunrises, but I'm rarely up to see them. So, Okay, have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. The reason that I asked you guys that, the reason that I asked you guys that is because of what we're going to be doing this week. Um, what, we're, what this weekend is all about is that there's going to be a moment. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen this weekend. Uh, there's going to be a moment, and it's going to be, hopefully, one of the most important parts of this entire weekend will be a moment. And for each of you, it might be different. Um, and in life, it's filled with moments, right? Uh, and, I, and the reason I'm saying that is because those moments often are a result of a choice. And so that's why we kind of play that little game, this or that. You had to make some choices there. Which one do you prefer? Some of you had trouble. It's like, I like both. Can I squat? You know? <laughs> and it's like, but you have to choose, uh, so, and, and our life is full of those choices, right? We have to choose all the time. Sometimes you don't get the option of both. Uh, you have to pick one or the other. And so uh, the reality is that this whole weekend is going to revolve around a choice. And what you believe about that choice and your response to that choice is going to dictate uh, the importance of this entire weekend. And so I just want to let you know ahead of time that choice 
is really what this whole weekend is all about. And that choice will come in a moment. And I'll let you know when it happens. Uh, but but the, the nature of choices is this. It, it's kind of interesting. And this is, takes us to another uh, idea of, of authority. So watch this. So as I'm walking along, I come up to a point where I have to make a choice, right? There's two objects, so I'll just pretend this. And I approach them, and I go this or that, and I have to make a choice. Really what you guys just did was like preference. And oftentimes we get those two confused. There's a difference between a true choice and a preference. You are communicating to me your preference. I prefer sunrises over sunsets. I prefer dogs over cats. It's not like you're really making a choice at that moment. This is what a true choice is is when I approach two, op- two options, and I have to pick one. And I, and, I, and I have to pick one over the other. And so you have, now you're, you're faced with this moment where you have to pick one. And you don't get to leave one, you don't get to take both. You don't get to squat, you know. You have to go, I'm going to take this one, which means I'm going to leave that one. Or oftentimes, we go, I'm not going to make that choice when we just walk on by. Now, there's a, now all of us, I just described everyone in the room and life for all of us in a, in a small little object because this is the reality of what happens and the difference between those two things. One, all of us approach these things in life where there's a choice, and those choice or choices are presented to us, and then we can look at it and say, I now have to pick one of these, or they say, I don't even have to pick between these two, and we walk away from the choice. And at the, at the very fundamental root of that, that decision right there is whether you choose to face the choice or walk away is a question of authority that we'll get to later. Because if I presented those two choices to you, some of you did that, even in that little experiment. Some of you were like, eh, I'm not going to stand up or sit down. And I let you have the choice to stay seated and then stand up because I know that some of you in there were like, no. Even I watched from the back. Hey, stand up. We're all going to do this dance. So some of you are like, I'm not dancing. And it comes down to the authority. You were like, you aren't the one who has to tell me whether I stand up. And you come to that point where you face that choice. And you denied the authority of the person saying, I'm going to teach you a dance. And you said, no, I'm in charge. And you just avoided the choice altogether. And that's how many of us face those choices. So those are the issues that we're going to, that we're going to talk about this week. So I just wanted to lay all that out front. There's going to be a moment, there's going to be a choice, and you're going to be confronted with authority, all right? So that's where we're going this, this uh, weekend, all right? Uh, Maddie, can I get the props up there? I have this little thing I want to do with you guys. We're going to jump into the book of Jonah, if you want to turn there, where Maddie's getting uh, the props for me. The book of Jonah is in the Old Testament. If you flop your Bible dead center, if you have an Old Testament, New Testament Bible, flop it dead center, you'll probably hit Psalms or Proverbs. If you do, keep trucking to the right a little bit, and you'll start to see a bunch of tiny little books, and one of them is Jonah. It's only four chapters. Now, here's something I like doing all the time. I like to speak with my hands. Anybody else talk with your hands? Are you the kind of person that if you had to sit on your hands, it's hard to even like communicate? Uh, I'm kind of like one of those people. So what I do as almost therapy is I draw instead. So everything I say comes out of my mouth on a whiteboard. Um, But instead of doing a whiteboard, I decided to do it this way instead because this might be more fun. Uh, Let me see. i got to get the tape here. So give me just a second as I set this up for you. While you guys are turning to Jonah, everybody there in Jonah now? All right. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 1 in just a minute. So hang tight with me. So here, 
here is what I want to show you guys. I want to give us context and reference to what we're talking about so nobody's lost. Because Maddie asked an important question. How many of you guys have heard of the story of Jonah? And not all of you raised your hand. Some of you have seen the story of Jonah through the voice of VeggieTales, um, which is a fair interpretation of the book of Jonah. No offense to the VeggieTales guys. Um, there's some, some interesting parts to those stories as well. But this is the way that I, this is the way that I like to talk. Is like this. So hang tight. This is your life. Bear with me. It's my life too. I'm just trying to be careful with it. This tape is very particular. There we go. All right. Now this is your entire life spread out before you. Doesn't it? Doesn't it look special? Some of your guys' life is a little special. Hold on. Let me get it. There we go. All right. Now, if I only had a Sharpie. Oh, look. Here's one. <laughs> All right. So, we're in the book of Jonah. Uh, what's your favorite story in the Bible? Do you have a favorite story in the Bible? Somebody in here? Right over here? What is it? Job. Anybody else? Right here. David. In the back. Shamgar. Who was Prodigal son, parable in the New Testament. What else? Anybody else? Joseph, Moses, Esther. What was that? Esther the queen. Jesus and the resurrection. One more in the back. What? Zeus? No, but we'll talk about that later. We'll get back to that later. So here is where the whole Bible lays out. If you look at time as, it's, as, it, as it exists, this is the beginning of time. And according to Scripture, uh-oh, that Sharpie's no good. That's okay, I got another one. It tells us in the beginning, God created, you like that circle, huh? I told you I like to draw. God created everything, the earth. The sun, which is actually by scale a lot bigger than the earth. The moon, the stars, and all that, right? So we have all of creation in Genesis chapter 1, which is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And then it tells us that God on the earth made a tree and put some fruit on it, right? And then he created all the animals and all that stuff. We'll put a little birdie up here. He played the birds. And then the fishes, we'll put a fish down here. And then what, what kind of animal do you want for the ant? A, a deer. Okay, a deer is one of the ones that walk the earth. Um, I don't know if I can draw a deer very well. I'll try. Laugh if you will. It's okay. I have thick skin. Uh, there's my deer. Can you guys all see that? Pretty good. It's a cow deer. Uh, and, then, and then he created man in his own image. And then he goes, it's not good for man to be alone. So he created a woman. Thank goodness. So now we have a little skirt. There we go. So, so we have the beginning of time. God created the universe, the earth, and everything in it. The animals planted a tree in the garden and then put Adam and Eve in this garden. And he gave them one rule. And that one rule was, don't eat the fruit from this tree. 
and don't even touch it or you'll die. Um, we'll get back to that in a minute. So the rest of time is divvied up in two spots. Do you guys know how the Bible divides Old Testament, New Testament? You guys are good. So we got the OT over here um, and then the NT right here. And we'll just say that kind of divides the two in half, right? So we got the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in the Old Testament right here in the garden, we have in Genesis this story where, um, where, where uh, man was given a commandment and they disobeyed. And in that choice, which we talked about, they chose sin or disobedience. And then we'll come back to this in a minute, but in that was also love. I'll explain that in a moment. Now, this is where the Bible tells us uh, of the Old Testament. And right about here-ish is this guy on a boat named Jonah. Somewhere right in there. See? Uh, somebody said David. So if you fast forward, I'll try to fit the rest of your guys' stories in here as best I can. That's why I asked you. I wasn't asking you just for funsies. Uh, so... <laughs> In the garden, man disobeyed, was kicked out of the garden, and then God calls this guy named uh, Abraham, and he goes, hey, I'm going to make a whole nation out of you guys. You're going to be like a shepherd with a flock. You're going to have uh, descendants as numerous as the sands on the seashore. He creates a nation of Israel, and then I'm going to fast forward, by the way. Um, then uh, the nation of Israel grows, and they get taken into captivity in a land called Egypt, where they build pyramids instead of normal houses. Um, and then they cry out to God because they're slaves in Egypt, and God saves them out of slavery, um, and he frees them. And his people are let go, and they go up on top of this, and he goes up on the top of this mountain, and he gets these Ten Commandments. Uh, and all this stuff goes on. Somewhere in here, there was a flood. Let's see, there was a big ark, and there was a guy named Noah with his plus eight. There's nine of them on the boat. Um, and all this goes on, Ten Commandments. I'll do a ten up here so you know what that is later when you're like, what are those two windows floating in the sky? <laughs> on top of Mount Sinai. Um, and so this kind of fast forward through it. And then we get into this series of Israel's history where they ask for a king. And that's where King David comes in, right? Uh, he actually gives them Saul first. Saul is a horrible king. Uh, he does his best job, but then uh, the Holy Spirit leaves Saul, goes into David. David becomes this well-known king. And he leads the people of Israel, and they go through this ser series of kings, and they go through what's called the cycle of apostasy, where they fall into sin, and then they go, oh, no, life is miserable. And they cry out to God, and God goes, okay, I'll save you. And then he saves them. They're like, yay, God, and everything's good. And because everything's good, they fall into sin, and then they go, oh, life is miserable. And they're like, God, help us. And then he's like, I'll help you. And he saves them. And they're like, yay, God, and everything's good. And because everything's good, they sin. And they do this over and over. Sound familiar? I just described your life, didn't I? Um, so that's what... It's nothing's new to man. Uh, and all this goes on. And then in the Old Testament, right at the end here, uh, we get these series of books where we have these what's called major prophets and these minor prophets. And it's really just that we have big books and little books. It's not that some of them are better than the other. They all spoke on God's behalf. And it's this record of God speaking through men to his people about what he is forecasting is going to happen. It's not like fortune telling when they prophesy. They're not saying like, oh, uh, pick the Rams in the Super Bowl. It's not like that. It's, it's one of those things of going, this is what's going to happen, or this is my will. It's not like, hey, in the future, put all your money on Apple and Google. Um, 
it's, he's saying this is what's going to happen. And Jonah is one of these stories in one of the minor prophets where Jonah is a prophet of the Lord. And that's where we are in our story is where Jonah has a word from the Lord. The God who created the universe, the God who put Adam and Eve in the garden, gave them one rule and said, I, I need you to have choice. You need to be able to choose to love me. And you can't truly love me unless you can choose it. Because if I made you robots, which is some people ask, how come God didn't just get rid of sin in the garden? How come God didn't keep them from making that? The answer is because he loves them. If he didn't give them the choice, then they couldn't truly love him. And so love comes from that choice, and they chose sin, disobedience instead. So sin comes into the world and becomes all of our problem. God then sets out, we have this recorded history of how then that God of the universe interacts with mankind and how he tries to show who he is to us. And sometimes he do that, does that through miraculous things like flooding the earth. We see his justice, we see his mercy, we see his love. We see all the characteristics of God throughout the way he reveals himself to us, through the way he controls his creation, to the way he speaks through his people. And what we have this weekend is one of those stories where God speaks through one of his people, and his name's Jonah. And he's spoken to him through him before. And so that was one of the questions that comes up. It's like, is Jonah a prophet because God spoke to him? Or was Jonah a prophet and God spoke through him? And so the answer is yes. Um, so we'll get to the New Testament later. Um, but here we have Jonah where God gives a word to Jonah. And Jonah's then supposed to go speak. And so God tells him, let's read it together. You guys are in Jonah now. So let's read starting in verse 1. It says this. Jonah flees from the Lord. Verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. In the Bible, the law quite often tell people uh, who their father was, their son was, some kind of reference. So you have this frame of reference of which Jonah. That's, been, that's like if I said, hey, John, come here. And there's probably like four Johns in here. But if I said, hey, John, with the blue hat and the, you know, the boots or whatever, then you'd be like, oh, that John. So that's the same thing he's doing. Jonah, the son of Amittai. Oh, that Jonah. Uh, he says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So we know this, Jonah, God, and Nineveh. At this point in that one verse, those two verses, we have three main characters. We have the God of the universe speaking through Jonah, one of his prophets, about a people called the Ninevites, people who live in the city of Nineveh. And we know that the Ninevites are sinful and God doesn't like it. And he's telling Jonah to go tell them. So that's where we are. That's the summary of, of verse 1 and 2. And then he says this in verse 3, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Tarshish, if you look at a map, is the opposite direction of Nineveh. So if Jonah's here, like say for example right here on the stage, and Nineveh was say the backyard, see where I'm going with this? Tarshish would be the far, far front yard. That's basically what happened, is Jonah goes, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I'm going to get in a boat and go to Tarshish. So that's what's happening. So he says this. Um, and then the funniest part about this is that it says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. Think about that for a second. Ran away from the Lord. The Lord who created the entire universe. The Lord who flooded the entire world when it was sinful. The Lord who rescued an entire nation from the hand of the powerful Egyptian uh, empire and the God who does all these other things, Jonah tries to run away from him. And he knows who God is. So here's what he says. 
So Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So he's trying to run away from God. Hmm. Then it says this, verse 4, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Now this is a big, big storm. The boat's literally being ripped to pieces. So these guys who are sailors, they've been on the ocean, they've been on big waves. This is like the biggest, baddest storm. So this is abnormal, or maybe what you might call supernatural. Mm -hmm. Follow me, right? Here we go. So he says this, a violent storm arose that, that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid. Sailors don't get afraid of storms, FYI, uh, not too often. And then he says this, and they each cried out to his own God. So they believed that there were gods who could calm the ocean, gods who could save their life. So they tried their gods on this boat. So we know that, one, these guys also didn't believe in the God of the universe. These people would be considered pagans. In our, in our culture. And he says this, all the sailors were afraid to cry out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So the cargo is the stuff that the sailors, it's their livelihood. So that would be like if your, your room was on a boat, and you were in the storm, and you started chucking your bed, and your dresser, and your dog, like you would just start chucking stuff. Maybe not the dog, last maybe the dog. The cat, then the, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. You know what I mean? Then the dog, no, I'm just kidding. So, uh, but they're chucking their stuff. This is their stuff. This is their livelihood. They're fishermen. They're chucking their tackle, the stuff they catch fish with. This is how they eat. This is how they live. This is how they make a living. And they're chucking it overboard. Like this is life or death at this point. This is like, if we don't throw our livelihood overboard, we may lose our lives. So this is how bad this storm is. And he says this, uh, in the cargo to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone, <laughs> excuse me, but Jonah had gone, I know the story, I rest why I'm laughing. Uh, but Jonah had gone down below deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. So sailors are fearing their lives when they spend every day on a boat and Jonah's sleeping down below. A deep sleep. So he was really broken up about this whole thing. He's like napping in the bottom of the boat. And he says, all this... <laughs> So then he says, the captain, we're in verse 6, if you're not keeping up. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. So they've tried all their gods, not working. Maybe this guy in the bottom of the boat, maybe his God will save us. And so they're trying everything. So he says, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? <laughs> so this is, they're like grilling this guy. I picture him like holding him. Like the captain's like probably got him by both shoulders, like shaking him. Like, tell us, man, where are you from? Who are you? What are your people? Like, we're going to die here. Come on, man, do something. They've tried their gods. That didn't work. They chucked all their stuff. That didn't work. Some guy's sleeping below. He's our last chance. Get up, dude. Call your God. Save us. Who are you? What do you do? Tell us. And then here's what happens. And he goes, he answered, 
I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So he's like, Jonah knows God made the sea. And where did he try to run from the Lord? To the ocean. Jonah's not a bright guy, by the way. Verse 10, it says, this terrified them and they asked, what have you done? I love that. You guys don't read the Bible this way, do you? This is how I read the Bible. He says, this is terrified. They asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. So Jonah gets on the boat and he's like, hey guys, I need to ride on your boat. And they're like, why? And he's like, you know. And they're like, no, seriously, why? He's like, ah, I'm running from my God. And they're like, oh, okay, sure, hop aboard. <laughs> so this guy goes in the bottom, falls asleep, and then the God of the seas that Jonah's trying to run away from, uh, who he just proclaimed is the God of the seas and dry land too, by the way. If you put those two together, that's the whole earth. There's no other spot that's not the sea or the dry land, by the way. Uh, so he's like, this God who told me to go to Nineveh that way, I'm headed this way in a boat. And by the way, I'm trying to run away from the God who happens to be in charge of the very ocean that I'm riding a boat in. Uh, and then they wake him up, and that's the story. So we're going to stop in verse 10. So now when Maddie challenges you to read the whole thing, you're already to verse 10 in chapter 1. So this is going to be cake, right? Only three more chapters and a few more verses in chapter 1. So read it tonight together. And you'll be way ahead on the story, and you'll know what's going on when the gnomes start dancing around uh, the rest of the week. So that's all we're going to cover scripture-wise today, because there's enough in there that I want to share with you guys uh, that we need to talk about. Because for us to understand this moment, this choice, the decision we're going to make, to understand all of this and how this applies to us, we have to understand what's truly happening in this story. In this story, what we see is, again, the same story happening. God said something. And he did it out of love, and he gave him a choice, and he chose to disobey. He chose to go the other way. He says, I don't want to do what you want, God. I want to do what I want. And we find out that the reason is because he hated these people. Can you imagine hating people so much that you don't want God to save them? That tells us a little bit about how bad these guys were. These weren't like the guys that they didn't really like. Like these were bad, bad people. And Jonah decided for himself that if I'm God's solution to these guys being saved, then I'm going to go thwart God's plan so that those guys get wiped off the face of the earth. That's what's in Jonah's heart right now. He's going, I don't want those people to live. That's what our story is all about. Jonah's playing God. He's, go, he's trying to manipulate God. He's disobeying God. He's trying to run away from the God who he knows actually owns all the sea and the dry land, the whole earth. He knows that's who that God is, and yet he's trying to get away from him. And this has been a problem that's not new to Jonah. It's not new to any of the other people all the way back to here. Since the very beginning, this problem has been sin. It's your problem. It's my problem. It's Jonah's problem. It was Adam and Eve's problem. It's everyone's problem. Sin is our problem. And in this story with only three characters, we get to start to see a, an interesting thing is to note is most of these prophets that you read in the Bible, as you read them, you won't get this kind of a story from it. Most of them, it's a story saying just it tells what God wanted to tell the people. 
This is the one where we see the story of the guy who was supposed to go tell, mostly because he didn't go do it. All the rest of them go, go tell these people this, and they're like, yes, sir, and they go tell it, and we have the recording of what God wanted to tell them. Jonah was the one who goes, no, sir, and ran the other way, and we have a story of Jonah being an idiot. And that's what we're looking at. I'm pulling no punches on that. That's literally it. I mean, he's running away from the God of the universe who controls the seas in a boat, right? So, so what I want to do now is help paint a picture to make sure that as we're going to deal with this problem the rest of the week, that we don't misunderstand what we're actually talking about. Because we need to dig in a little bit deeper. And if sin is our problem, then we need to ask a couple, like one real important question, then what is sin? And what's so bad about it? And why does it matter? And why is it a problem? Because for some of us, we don't think it is. At least the way we live our lives. We don't act like it is. We might even just be living our life. We might even be not thinking that there is a choice or that it is an issue. We may just be going about life. But this is what I want to share with you guys, is that sin is real, and it is a problem. And it's what we're going to deal with this week. And it has a lot to do with our choice. It has a lot to do with love. It has a lot to do with everything we're talking about. So we got to get this part figured out first. So let me share this with you. Here's what the Word of God says about sin. I'm going to go back to the book of Romans, chapter 5. If you want to turn there, you can. It's in the New Testament. You go past the, first, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's a book called Acts. The very next book is Romans. And in chapter 5, it says this. And I'm sharing this verse because it goes back to what we talked about here. And it says this. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man. Who's the one man sin entered the world through? Adam. Adam and Eve. So he's using this to give a contrast of Christ, who we'll talk about later. It says, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. So we've got to add this to our diagram. Sin, death. You see, in the garden, what happened was is, uh, the serpent came to tempt Adam and Eve. And he says, what he usually does, a twisting of the truth. He says, did God really say that you can't eat that fruit? And he goes, no, 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 he said, or that you can't eat any fruit in the garden. And they go, no, 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 we can actually eat fruit in the garden, but we can't eat the fruit from that tree. So that's how we know what God told them is Adam, Eve told us. We see it when the serpent interacts with her. Did God really say you can't eat the fruit in the garden? Oh, no, 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 we actually can. We just can't eat this one. And we can't even touch it, by the way, or we'll die. She wouldn't know that unless that's what God told her. God said, you can't touch this fruit. You can have all the rest of it. And that's the condition of man. You can have every fruit except this one. And we go, why not that one? You can have all the fruit. You can have all my blessings. You can have everything, but not that one. And you go, hmm, now I want that one. We, uh, there was a story of uh, this hotel that was on this river. And, uh, and people would go there to vacation. And this, this one guy one time uh, happened to go there, and he liked fishing. So he opened up the window and started fishing out the window. Straight into the river, because it was like a hotel on the river, and he's fishing out the river. And people go, that's a great idea. So people start fishing out the window. Well, the hotel management didn't like it, so they started putting signs on all the windows. Do not fish out the windows. Now everyone who goes there goes, don't fish out the windows. That's a brilliant idea. And they open up the window, and they start fishing out the windows. And this hotel had this huge problem with people fishing out the windows and all the problems that came with that. And then a new manager came in and goes, so what do we need to do? And he's like, we need to fix this problem. Everyone fishing out the windows. He goes, we'll take all those signs down that say don't fish out the windows. And they're like, why? That's 
letting people know not to do it. He goes, no, you're telling people to fish out the windows. <laughs> so he took all the signs off, and people stopped fishing out the windows. Because it's just the nature of mankind. I was at a retreat this weekend with a thing where it literally said, do not throw rocks in the pool, $1,000 fine. It was like a, like a VRBO thing. And, uh, and I was like, I really want to throw a rock in the pool now. It didn't even cross my mind until you told me not to. Tell me, right? Yeah, I know. That's what I'm, you guys are you're getting me, right? You're, I'm not the only crazy person here. Yeah. This is the condition of mankind, and it's not new to you. It happened all the way back in the garden. Don't do it. Why not? Don't do it, but I want to. Don't do it. And so we see this problem is sin, and it's our own nature. And here's what the Bible says about it in James. You don't have to try to turn there. It's going to go by so fast you probably won't get there before I read it. But you can turn there if you're a quick Bible page turner. Uh, Here's what he says in James He says this about sin. He says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to? death. So we see in Romans, sin, death. We see in James, sin, death. It's not from God. It's from our own evil desire. We have a problem, and it's called sin. And it's because we're not good at obeying. It's very easy for us to look at a story like Jonah and go, what a knucklehead. (laughs) This guy who knows the God of the sea told him to go do something, so he's going to try to run away from him in a boat? And yet, if you look at your own life, how long has it been since you did the exact same thing? How long has it been since you knew what you were supposed to do and you didn't do it? How long has it been since you knew what you were supposed to do and you didn't do it? Romans talks about the exact same thing in chapter 7. This guy who writes the book, he cries out. I love reading the Bible the way that I think it was written. And here's what it says in Romans chapter 7 about sin and our humanity. So while we're quick to judge a guy like Jonah, think about this. In verse 7 it says, sorry, i got to find the exact spot because it's a long chapter. I don't want to read the whole thing to you. It says this, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. So this is a guy writing a letter. Just remember, these are letters, just so you know. People writing letters. You ever written a letter to someone? Did you write your letters like this? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus. You don't write like that. You're writing the way you think. And sometimes you like words fail, right? Because they lose the emotion. That's so apparent in our day and age simply because of texts. Or I will text something and my wife will be like, what? And I'm like, no, I mean like, like this. And then she's like, oh, I thought you were saying, you know. Because we don't get the emotion in it. And the same thing's here. And I think for the scriptures, we should put the emotion back. And here, as Paul writes to the church in Rome in chapter 7, I think this is probably one of his most heartfelt parts of this whole letter that he writes to them. And if I were writing it the way that I think Paul was writing it, if I was reading it, here's how it would sound. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. 
but what I hate, I do. And if I do not do what I want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it's the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's chapter 7 of Romans. I think that's what Paul meant when he read it. When he wrote it, I, I think he wished he could have done like the voice memo because it's so much easier, right? Like I do the voice memo because I'm like, ah, if I type this, it's going to sound bad. And sometimes that's where we read. We read scripture like it's a text message and we miss some of it. So I want you to understand these, these two or three things. One, there's a problem we all have and it's called sin. It's not new to us. It's not new to Jonah. It's not new to Adam and Eve. Well, it was new to them. Uh, they're the only ones it was new to. Um, but throughout all of Scripture, and we're going to fill in this other side as we go out through this week, um, but it's in us. It's something we have to deal with. Whether we have the Spirit of God in us or not, we will have to fight it. Can I be real with you guys? This problem is so bad. Um, it's something that, that weighs heavy on me. And here's why. I, this weekend, I want to be real with you, and I want you to be real in your cabins, I want you to be real with your counselors because if you come up this weekend and you're not real and you've maybe been putting on this facade and you've been trying to make everyone and you've tricked everybody because everybody's buying what you're selling, but it's not really you because you're living a lie. This is the weekend when you can go, I don't want to keep doing that. I want to let that go. So I'll, I'll start with some honesty. I got a phone call two weeks ago. It was from my dad's wife, who I've never met. My dad left my family 23 years ago. And two weeks ago, I got a phone call at 6 in the morning from my dad's new wife, who says, your dad just had a heart attack, and he's in the hospital, and I think you need to come here. And I haven't talked to him in 23 years. He left 23 years ago and pushed us all out of his life. And now he's this close to death, and his wife goes, I think you need to come here. And I'm like, what? After 23 years? Now, I have no remorse. I have no hard feelings. No regrets because I've never had an evil bone against my dad and my body. I love my dad. He's not a bad guy. He never, like, hit us or abused us. He's not like this story where I can make him sound like this evil person, and then it's okay that I could hate him because he's this bad person. That's not what it is. Just life happens. And my dad hasn't been a part of my life in 23 years. And you know, the first thing I thought of is they go, if I can go there, and if that, if that 
is what I've been praying for for 23 years, and it took a heart attack for it to happen, I'll go. I canceled four meetings, got on a plane, and three hours later, and then six hours later, I was in Portland, Oregon, walking into a hospital where my dad was on in the ICU, and I had no idea what was going to happen. I didn't know if he was going to make it. I didn't know if he wasn't going to make it. I didn't know if he'd even be like, what are you doing here? Get out of here. I was just going on pure faith because I care less. This will sound weird, so listen out the whole thing. I care less about whether my dad dies and more about whether my dad dies without knowing Jesus. I've been praying for my dad for 23 years, and my prayer is not that he would call me or that we would go fishing together. My prayer is, God, put someone in his life. If it's not me, he needs you. Because I know this problem of sin is deadly. And I don't want my dad to end his life without it. And I'm here standing on this stage today to tell you guys, I don't want you to either. I flew on a plane to Portland, Oregon, in the hope that my dad would recognize that sin is not dealt with in his life. And that if that heart attack would have took him, I don't think he would have been in heaven. And I got on a plane and flew from California to Massachusetts yesterday so that I can come here to tell you guys, if sin's not dealt with, that's a bad thing. And I'm glad we have a whole weekend to talk about all this. But you've got to be real this weekend, guys. You've got to lay it all on the table. If there's something you're dealing with, you're hiding, you're playing a game, or you're just like that thing where you're like, yeah, I've been here, and you've been like God or not. And I'm like, I don't have to do that. I ain't got to play your dance. And you've just been brushing off God every time he knocks on your heart. You're just like, I don't want nothing to do with you. You're in one of those three spots. You've either said, I don't want nothing to do with you, or you've said, I choose you, or you've said, I don't choose you. There's no other option. You've either avoided the choice or you've made your choice. And sin is a problem either way. And this weekend, we're going to talk about it through a silly story of a guy who's a knucklehead who doesn't even realize that you can't get away from God. And I'm here to tell you the same thing. I don't know what you're doing or how fast you're running, but you ain't getting away from God this weekend. Let me pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this weekend. I thank you for every single one of these uh, campers who are here. I thank you that you brought them here. I know you knew they were going to be in these seats. And I just pray that the truth of your word would reach all of us. I pray that the truth of your word, when we're honest and real, will sink deep in our hearts and we'll realize this is the most important moment. This is the most important choice that any of us are going to make for the rest of our lives. So Father, thank you for having us up here spend this weekend together to dig into your word, to hear your truth. And I just pray that you'd work. I pray that each of us can come to a point where we can say, God, it's time we had a talk. So Father, I just pray that your will will be done this weekend in each and every single one of our lives. And I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ who gave his own life so that we could have eternal life. Amen.